Welcome to Chaplain Stories, sacred stories from the front lines of ministry. My name is Chaplain Caleb McCary, and we are going to be talking to chaplains about their stories, living out their calling and ministering to military personnel. I'm so glad to have you joining us as we talk about faith, life, and ministry with our guests. Well, welcome to Chaplain Stories. I am Chaplain McCary, and I have had the privilege of sitting down with one of my clinical pastoral education colleagues, Chaplain Major Eugene Kim, uh, to record an episode of the podcast. Over the course of the last nine months, uh, I've gotten to know Eugene very well. We spend basically every day of the week together uh, in our CPE group going through this uh, intense process. And uh, part of this process has been uh, that we tell our stories to the group. And when I heard Eugene's story, um, how he became a chaplain uh, and his life story, I thought, man, I need to sit down with him and record an episode of the podcast. Well, it only took me nine months to get there, but thankfully I got it in before we finished CPE. So uh, what you're about to hear is uh, Chaplain Kim's story, uh, as well as his experiences in one of the most challenging events in recent Chaplain Corps history, the uh, the death of Chaplain Dale Getz, who was killed in action in Afghanistan. Uh, so you'll want to make sure that, uh, that you hear that part of the podcast. Uh, as always, I want to remind our listeners that uh, the opinions and views expressed on this podcast are my own or those of my guests and are not those of the United States Army. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, but your full name. Right. My full name is... Eunsu uh, Kim. So Koreans do not have middle name. But when I joined the military and came over to the state, on the paperwork, I mean, I should have a middle name. So I separated my first name, two syllables, and put Eun uh, as my first name and Su as my middle name. But for Koreans, it's Eunsu. And uh, last name Kim. And what uh, what we know you as in CPE is Eugene. Eugene. Yes, yeah. Eugene. So uh, Eugene and I uh, met through our CPE group and have spent almost every day together for the last nine That's right. months. Yes. Uh, so we, we've got a few more months of CPE, and um, I thought that you had a great story. One of the things that we do in CPE mm -hmm. is we tell our stories. Right. And and so I got to hear your story. You got to hear my story. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, man, what an amazing story you have. I need to sit down <laughs> with Eugene and record the podcast. So um, just for, for some background, uh, you're not a native of the United States. Right. So, so what... Uh, so you're from South Korea. Mm -hmm. So so tell me a little bit about uh, that journey for you. What uh, what did th those years look like uh, before you came to the United States? Um, I mean, I was born and raised in Korea, and I lived my life 
up until 32 in Korea. And my turning point was actually when I met my wife. She came to my workplace in, in Korea. And I immediately fell in love with my uh, wife. At the time, just a lady. And uh, so she, wa she was an um, American citizen. And I was uh, just a regular Korean, um, Korean man. And after we got married, my wife already th thought that uh, it would be too difficult for me to live a life as a grown man at age 32 in the state. So she decided to live with me in Korea. Um, but um, I wasn't really satisfied with my life. Um, so I was kind of like looking, I mean, what is out there? So up until 32, I was in Korea. And then at age 32, I joined the military because my wife was an American citizen. I got green card. Uh, so using that green card, I joined the military, U.S. Army, uh, through a recruiting station in Korea. And then um, I actually came over to the stateside and uh, I flew in. To, uh, to um, Louisville, Kentucky, and went straight to boot camp. So, what, what is that? And was that the first time um, that you had been to the United States? I visited a couple times before, um, but just to get to know my wife's family. Mm. But that was probably like maybe two weeks or so. So. Prior to that, only two weeks of stay in the States was all that I had. Oh, my goodness. So what are you thinking um, as you're getting off the plane mm -hmm. in Louisville, Kentucky right. to start in the Army? I mean, I didn't start it as a, what is it? I mean, with a grandiose plan. Um what really happened was when I was in Korea, uh, my father was a pastor of a Presbyterian church, and there was this old lady, uh, evangelist lady, prophesied that uh, I would be a pastor. Hmm. And I mean, knowing what my father was doing and what you know my father was going through, I didn't really like. I couldn't really imagine me being a pastor. I mean, I had no desire. I mean, I didn't think I had the qualities or character or knowledge or anything that uh, that God would actually make me a pastor. So, um, I mean, many things uh, actually made me decide to join and uh, leave my uh, homeland just like Jonah I wanted to kind of like run away uh, mm. from that prophecy and personally I wasn't really satisfied with my life so I used it as a restart I mean reset of my of my life but I had no idea how that um, how what, what kind of future God is holding for, you know, store for me yeah you know. yeah uh, so you went to boot camp uh, at Fort Knox, right? 
that's also where I went to boot camp uh, <laughs> a, a while back. So it's always it's always fun to meet someone who went there since they don't mm-hmm. do basic training there anymore. Right, it's right. Uh, it's not a lot of people mm-hmm. who who got to experience the right. joys of basic training mm-hmm. at Fort Knox. Yeah. Um, so were you married at that time? Yeah, I was married. So my wife was still uh, back in Korea. And I had a son mm-hmm. at the time. And I left. And uh, I didn't really let my wife know that I was joining the military. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was kind of like a some some secret thing, but I was really struggling with it. I mean... Am I making the right decision? Uh, is it the right way? I mean, uh, I have no connection, no relatives, other than my parents-in-law, I mean, mm. who was in uh, uh, Philadelphia at the time, and, I mean, no friends. So I was, um, I had no clue. I mean, very uncertain. I mean, yeah. So when uh, when was this? What year was this that you started that basic training? That was July of 2000. July of 2000. Right. Okay. Um, so let's just move forward from there. So so you finished your basic training, your AIT. Um, you know, what uh, What does your, your enlisted time in the military look like? Well, first uh, I had to learn my job, how to do my job. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I didn't think actually I was able to do my do my job because I learned, you know, from AIT how to do my job, but it was all regulation. I mean, it was book knowledge, and I didn't have any hands-on experience. Um, when I first came to my duty station um, for Lewis, um, I didn't have any NCO who teach me how to do my job because my NCOIC was, I mean, not there, maybe medical reason or whatever. My regular NCOIC was not there, but somebody who was transitioning or uh, retiring was kind of covering down my supply shop. I was 90 Yankee, supply specialist. And he didn't have any clue about how to do the job. Oh, wow. And... Fresh out of AIT, I didn't know yeah. how to do my job. So there was a lot of frustration uh, and language barrier. I, I, I couldn't really understand in, in detail what was really going on. And I couldn't really fully explain myself in English either. So there was language barrier and, you know, job that I didn't know really well and different culture. I mean different environment. Um, so I think getting adjusted to American way of life, especially in the military, every day was a struggle. Mm. Yeah. So uh, at what point in, in this process does your family uh, join you from Korea? Uh, my wife never really joined. Um, she did come a couple times when I took on leave Mm -hmm. um so like 10 15 days of you know being together Mm. once a year things like that uh so for the first like three years until i actually got an assignment to korea i was kind of geo bachelor wow yeah 
that that had to be tough it was tough it was tough so i had to learn everything on my own um i mean it's a lonely time lonely mm. time but at the same time i didn't know where my life was leading to is it is military something that i need to really invest you know the rest of my life into or it's just a temporary thing it was clear at the time I, I I already didn't like the military mm. <laughs> <laughs> because of the um, people, unit, environment, language barrier, and I mean deployment and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I I didn't like it already when I first came to my you know, first duty station. So that brings up you know a very interesting question for mm-hmm. me. So you're. Your initial experiences in mm-hmm. the military were not that great. Right. So what happens in your life that has you looking at the chaplaincy in the military again? I mean, it was quite um, quite odd. Actually, every single day when I went to work, um, I was I was really stressed out. Um, uh, during the time I lived for the weekend. Weekend was my only time that I can just be myself, spend time. Then it was too, you know, too quickly gone actually. Um, so knowing that I made a huge mistake, I mean, during the military, I mean, I had my own kind of hopes and dreams, some fantasy about being in America as a yeah American soldier, but. The responsibility and the duty uh, that's being placed upon upon me. I mean, the mission was more important thing than my personal needs. Right. right? So, right. I mean, I was trying to seek on my own personal needs, maybe uh, taking care of myself, my family, or um, things like that. But already, like deployment. I mean. Um, came up, the idea of deployment. I mean, yeah. at, at the time, it was actually Kosovo. I was in an MP unit, deployed to Kosovo. At the time, Kosovo was in kind of a like conflict, and there was like skirmish happening already, you know. Uh, so hearing those, watching those things I mean, in, on the news, wow, is this really, you know, where I'm going, where yeah. I'm going to? and and. I don't even know how to run my shop, how to do my job. And I'm not a you know, courageous person. I mean, I can just go out and you know, conduct mission. Uh, I don't have that kind of courage either. Um, so every day was a struggle. And during the time, I was focused on how to break the contract, how to mm. get out of the military yeah. you know, legally. I don't want to do this anymore, you know. So I studied like regulation and things like that. So I mean, every day I wasn't that happy person. I was, I was depressed and and nobody. I had no friend, right? Nobody, I had no friend. Nobody was actually talking to me about hey, what's going on and are you doing okay or things like that. I mean, no one to talk to, no family, no friends. I had to just bear this burden, just everything, myself. And 
it, it was unbearable. I mean, weekend was the only free time that I had, and Sunday Sunday night I insomnia, knowing that I have to go to to mm. PT all in the morning, and then start a whole new week, five days. Uh, I mean, it, it was a struggle. It, it was a real struggle. I mean, and I couldn't really bring myself to okay, go AWOL. You know, I I almost thought about going AWOL too, mm. um, back to Korea, but very embarrassing thing. Yeah, I, I yeah. left my family. I mean, and at that time, I was kind of like confident or had a, I mean. Had this idea that everything will turn out okay, mm-hmm. and things like that. But the reality that I was facing at the time was so, so harsh. I mean, you know. So I actually came to a point. If there's a God, I mean, even though I, I attended ch- church in, on Sunday as a pastor's kid, I mean, I didn't have that kind of like personal relationship with God. I mean. I only thought that God would only, you know, uh, take care of those characters in the Bible. Uh, so God felt like so distant. Uh, I was kind of like doubting that He would come to meet me where I was at the time and kind of help me, uh, walk with me. I didn't have the kind of kind of concept about God. Uh, but the situation was so harsh and difficult. I mean, I had to actually cry out to God. God, I mean, are you really there? Do you see me where I am? And I had to ask him, what, what is the purpose for my life? Why am I here? What am I doing here, God? And, uh, even though it was my decision, to leave my f- family, country, and start my new life in the, in the state, I was blaming God. Actually, I was blaming God. I mean, God, why did you bring me here, and why did you put me in this kind of unit with this kind of people? Yeah. Uh, I was I was blaming God, and uh, but the thing was, uh, every morning, I mean, before I went to PT. Uh, I got up. It was just automatic thing. I just opened my eyes and I woke up like an hour earlier, and I start praying, start pouring out, pouring out my heart to God, I mean, and asking for guidance um, and stuff. And so, God actually did hear my prayer after like two weeks of fervent prayer. I mean, prayer like. Not only early in the morning, but during lunchtime, mm. I went to a little isolated, quiet place in my car and prayed there, um, asking for guidance. And when I come back from work, I knelt down and pray. Um, that happened like two week for two weeks, and uh, this turning point came. So. In all of this loneliness and isolation and frustration, um, sounds like 
you almost had a rebirth or or a discovery of yeah. of faith in all of that oh it happened in a very natural way not in i mean i didn't really intend to find my faith i i had no desire at the time but situation led me to actually i had to kneel before god and i just surrendered because i was so powerless and i had no control of all the situation that was going on so i i surrendered my life i mean it's kind of funny because uh, i ran away from korea like like jonah mm. and that was kind of like the experience that jonah had you know in the you know belly of the big fish like, mm-hmm. you know in that darkness in that ugly place um you cry out to to god i mean i could identify myself with with jonah mm-hmm. but he heard me i mean so he heard me um after two weeks of prayer i got a notification from my s3 operation that i mean the i call was looking for this special duty person and and i was the only one who fit into that you know category of who they were looking for in my battalion whole battalion so i was actually transferred from my unit to this special duty place and i was there to do my special duty for six months you know, for the temporary and i thought back wow what was what what just happened and it was a totally different environment everybody was really caring and um really they actually look out you know after each other mm-hmm. and they come and talk to me and and things like that so at that time i realized wow God heard my prayer. God is living. He wasn't really concerned, you know, for those people in the Bible, Peter, John. He actually came to me and he heard me and he rescued me. Mm. And he is showing his presence with me. So at that time I realized that okay, I do not know God. Mm. I need to learn. I need to study about this God. Uh, he's living. So that's the that's the point that I decide to um study about God. So would you was that kind of the you can go back in time and you can kind of look at this part of your journey and s- see that as kind of the the launching point for for what would lead you into the chaplaincy um i wasn't really thinking about becoming a chaplain chaplain you said that 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 prophecy yeah you know, that prophecy there. was there yeah so uh yeah my father was definitely i mean he was glad to hear that uh, i'll be studying i mean even going into the seminary was quite you know quite an experience because um at the time i was living for the weekend yeah i mean driving around was my kind of like you know 
things that I like to do. So I was driving around Fort Lewis area and came across this seminary. And it was on Saturdays, seminary was, was closed. So I got the phone number from um, from the uh, entrance there. And I called and the, the dean of the seminary answered and uh, I, I talked to him about my desire to study. Um, and he actually called me over. So I sat down with him and then I talked to him about what happened to me and um, you know, expressed my desire to study. And uh, I mean, it was very strange thing. He gave me admission there, right, right there, and then I mean, yeah, you, wow. you start studying, studying from this, starting from this summer, you know. So that was two thousand one, May or I think May or June. Wow. Of two thousand one. I start, you know, studying for MD, mm. and the first class that I took was Hebrew. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! So, <laughs> I mean, in addition to, I mean, studying English, now I had to study Hebrew. Oh, Eugene, you're yeah. a much better man than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as we fast forward a little bit, what happens uh, in your life when you start? to feel called into the chaplaincy. Tell me tell me what that was like for you, what that process was. So, um, somehow that temporary job, you know, that I, um, that I was assigned to was only for the six months. But somehow the OIC there really, I mean, liked me and, uh, he actually went to the I Corps and then talked to the general and extended my time there for another six months. And then another six months, I got an extension. So I was there for 18 months. I was supposed to be there for only six months, but 18 months I was there. And wow. during the time, I really studied a lot and I was already done with like more than two years of my seminary. Wow. Um, so I was very close to, you know, graduation already. I mean, 18 months, maybe six more months, if I really, really, you know, uh, press hard, I could have just graduated. But when I got six months left, I came down on this uh, uh, PCS orders. So I couldn't finish, and I was uh, I was deployed, hmm. and then I couldn't finish at all. I couldn't finish the the last six months portion. I couldn't finish. Wow. So, um, I was kind of like, wow, why, why, why is this happening? I kind of wondered, but during that time, I was able to experience what deployment was like, what soldiers were going through, like, and things like that. So, I mean. Because of that last assignment, actually it was in Korea, um, I didn't like the military. Mm. So I decided to get out, but I was still um, uh, in the reserves, you know, after I ETSed. Mm -hmm. So I was now back to my father's church now serving as a, you know, <laughs> uh, 
associate kind of pastor there. So I mean, during the time, God kind of showed me the whole picture of my my faith journey. I mean, leaving my homeland, joining the military, going through all that difficult time, and experiencing what soldiers are, you know, going through and things like that. So, I, I mean, I kind of thought that wow, there was a reason for God putting me through all this, mm. and it is so that. I could be of help to soldiers. Yeah. So th- that time I I kind of felt that calling. Oh, I could serve soldiers as a pastor, mm. and that could be the the chaplain. And so I mean, that's why uh, at that time, um, actually before that, when I got out, I finished all my schoolwork. And then flew back to my seminary, sat down with the dean again, and then uh, talked to him about uh, my graduation. So I didn't get to attend my graduation, but later I got my diploma. And then uh, I put an application to become a chaplain uh, through uh, USFK because I was already there in Korea. So, like three or four months later, you know, I got access to um, active duty chaplain, and I took the oath. Wow! Uh, there in uh, in Korea. And uh, when was that that you accessioned onto active duty? That was two thousand five. Two thousand five. Yeah. Okay. So, to July of two thousand, I went to boot camp for Knox as an enlisted soldier. Yeah. A specialist. And I mean, less than five years later, I became first lieutenant, uh, a chaplain, and then went to a Chobik uh, chaplain school in the January of 2006. Wow. So uh, what was that like for you, making that, you know, because you didn't have that long of a break between, you know, your active duty enlisted time and mm-hmm. then coming back on to active duty as a chaplain. What was that like for you, making that transition? I was, you know, I didn't know what that was. Uh, As an enlisted soldier, I mean, I am used to receiving orders. Right. Somebody always telling me, my NCYC was telling me what to do and have a little list of those things. And when I got, when I became a chaplain, Actually, I was asking the uh, the deputy chaplain there in USFK, can I go home now? <laughs> 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 Things like that. So, but the deputy chaplain there said, told me, Chaplain Kim, you are now an officer. What is different about being an officer is now you make your own decision. Instead of being told what to do, you plan things and you execute so it was a totally different world yeah Yeah, it was a totally different world i wasn't really i mean ready to go and plan and do things i was i I was i wasn't ready for that yet yeah well there's there's one uh specific thing that i really wanted to ask you about and it, it came up in in just a conversation we had a while back 
Um, and, I, and I was struck, as I often am, by how small our core is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you told me that um, you were in the same brigade as the the only chaplain who we've had uh, killed in action mm-hmm. since the Vietnam War. Right. Uh, can you tell me tell me a little bit more uh, about your experience with that? I think to tell that story, we are here now here in San Antonio. San Antonio might be a good starting point to tell that story because in 2010, I think it was either April or May, I was here in San Antonio on Strong Bonds instructor training. Um, and I was actually walking down the river walk, praying, um, because I need God's guidance at the time. Because uh, the unit I, I was in, we are all I mean, trained up and ready to go deploy to Iraq. But somehow that deployment got, got canceled. Um, so, I was also ready to go and, you know, provide my ministry uh, to soldiers when I go to Iraq. But somehow that deployment got canceled, the the morale went down. Mm. And people are kind of like confused. And uh, we we lost kind of the momentum, the, the energy. And somehow, I know, I mean, it's a dangerous thing to to deploy to Iraq, but soldiers were more fired up yeah. at the time. Yeah. But that energy just dissipated. I mean, it, it's gone. And I lost my sense of direction, what to do um, with in, in, in that situation. So, I mean, at that time I was here in San Antonio and I was asking God for guidance and walking around with the work praying to God and and when I came back to to my unit Fort Carson somehow I got a call from my division chaplain um, asking me the contact information for my battalion commander so I was I, mean, I thought like quite odd so I gave him the information but the, the following day I saw them both, you know, walking into my commander's office. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, something is happening. I mean, yeah. division chaplain coming to coming to battalion and right. talking to my battalion commander. Something is happening. So I was kind of wondering, what's that about? Uh, so after that, my commander called me to his office and said, uh, chaplain, uh, I just sat down with the division chaplain and then they're looking for a chaplain which was you, to deploy you to uh, Afghanistan. Wow. And are you willing to go? Wow. So if you're willing to go, I can let you be, you know, uh, briefly, fastly PCS to this unit, both ID, and then deploy. So I said, yes, I'll, I'll deploy. 
So, I mean, it was a fast process. I mean, I got back probably May sometime, first part of May. And then the unit was supply, uh, supposed to deploy in, I think, June or July. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I out-processed from my unit and in-processed and got my gear and things and then block leave. And then I flew to um, Afghanistan. So the only interaction that I had with Chaplain Gatch, you know, uh, who was killed in action, I didn't have any interaction with him. So my unit was actually Advan um, Battalion. So we went to Afghanistan early, like one month early. And then a month later, Chaplain Gatch came and we sat down at this defect. And he came and talked to me. Hmm. And he was really, I mean, he was concerned about me because I didn't have that time of getting to know everybody, the chain of, you know, command team, soldiers. I was just, you know, pulled away from my, you know, prior, previous unit and previous unit and I deployed. So he, he talked to me, are you doing okay? And, and things like that. So that was the first impression that I had. Um, Chaplin guess very very caring I mean, um, but later he sent us an email you know to all the battalion chaplains in the, in the brigade and that email kind of like shook me to the core hmm. it's about let us not forget about our calling what we are here for um, and let's pray for like certain things he was actually praying for three things and then I was when I opened the email when I read the email I was like stuck I was like my eyes was stuck you know reading his email wow we have a we, we have a chaplain like this in, in our core. Um, so I, I was really impressed, you know, you know, with him. Even though that was the second time, first time I met him at the defect and then I get to now, you know, um, receive his email and reading his email. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I, I know that the the news uh, of his death mm-hmm. really i mean it shook our core mm-hmm. um so what what was that like for you when you received that news in that actually that email was not about his death actually as he was uh, starting his i mean um Vegetations of different cops, soldiers that was spread out in different cops. Mm-hmm. Um, h- his unit was in the Argandab Valley, which was the Taliban stronghold. Mm. I mean, very dangerous area, and soldiers were soldiers were like dispatched in many different smaller cops. So he was talking to us about now he's going to visit for the next 10 days or so, I mean, all these different cops and 
providing、uh, pastoral care. We call、uh, battlefield circulation. Right, battlefield yeah, circulation. Yeah. And then he reminded us, I mean, not to forget our calling. So he specifically prayed about three things:、um, reaching soldiers with good news,、mm-hmm. um, so that three、uh, hundred soldiers get to hear the good news.、Um, and he prayed for ten people you know, come to gospel ministry you know, after deployment, and then. Our mission, be, be, mission becoming so successful, we end this war and we go back home early.、Mm. Wow! Um, that was his his prayer. I mean,、uh, when I first read it, wow. I mean, just I mean, I couldn't really explain in words. I mean, how to describe it? Just like wow, wow. But.、Um, After that, my brigade chaplain came to my office、uh, and s- and said,、uh, "Chaplain Kim,、uh, Chaplain, get this KIA." And I couldn't really believe my ears. He just got you. He just got you. Yeah. And he planned this battlefield circulation. And as he was going from one cop to a different cop, you know, convoy,、um, he got he got killed along with other soldiers. Like I think he at that time there were three staff sergeant and one private、mm-hmm. who was in the same vehicle also. Yeah,、uh, got killed. So I mean, I I. I It was kind of like a surreal moment. I mean, is this real? Is this real? And、uh, the brigade chaplain made a little like a coverage plan for the for the unit, and、uh, I was was sent to the unit to cover down after his funeral.、Mm. Yeah. So what was、uh, what was that like for you,、um, providing? Pastoral care and and chaplain coverage to his unit. It was very difficult,、uh, very difficult.、Uh, there was a lot of questions, and but what surprised me was the silence. When、mm. when I went to the unit, the unit was in shock. I mean, they didn't know how to process this. It's not、yeah. not just、uh, the chaplain, but I mean, three staff sergeants、uh, and one, one private. And they lost five people just in just one、uh, one incident. And when I went to the battalion and kind of like walked around and kind of sense how the unit is doing, it's like dead silence. I mean,、wow. nobody was really engaging in any conversation. Nobody was talking.、Um, when I sent to a different cop, I mean, there was a A lot of questions. I mean, they were like, they were, they were really dumbfounded. I mean, what 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 is this all about? I mean, is this really real?、Hmm. Um, so, the the state of shock lasted, I think,、uh, for a while. Yeah. 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 
that uh that had to be a tough time for you too that yeah that's a tough time i mean i i kind of sense that wow who am i um actually when i show up to uh you know where the soldiers were i mean they're kind of glad to see a chaplain oh chaplain's here now i mean we yeah. are safe i yeah. mean in a sense that they use chaplain as a, like a lucky charm i mean or shield or something right but even that kind of notion concept i mean it's shattered yeah 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 so i had to face my own mortality yeah so i mean if i was in a convoy actually going through this um this this town and the town was the, the road was so narrow so we had to slow down and there's probably like five inches on left and right between the walls between the fences the, the clay fences of afghani village and we are like squeezing our way through slowly i still have that sense you know the death silence even though the vehicle was moving nobody was talking death silence all the plants and all the trees and everything looked like very stationary dead but like still and we are kind of like moving and we don't know where we are going but the sense of going into the unknown you know kind of kind of feeling um i could even hear like very tiny little you know zing sound you know in my ears mm. <laughs> like that very uh very strange feeling yeah yeah wow that's uh i i never thought that my path would cross with someone um who had been so close mm. to that incident um and so you know i i really appreciate you uh sharing your experiences with everything that happened there. Mm, yes, I mean but at the same time I kind of wondered did God really hear his prayers? Hmm. Right? He had three specific prayers. Yeah. Yeah. Um but when I look back God God did hear his prayers. Um because uh after that our unit went to a different fob and became the may- mayor cell mm-hmm. so we built up that fob and um somehow when he first went there there was no chapel but my unit built up a chapel some i mean some soldiers i mean they're like engineers i mean they're like cbs <laughs> they actually made the chapel in in a week and the chapel was set and then i mean i went out and talked to soldiers and civilian workers there from different countries and and start you know letting them know that there was a chapel here and people start coming and coming and coming by the time i left that fob it was already filled to the maximum capacity 
mean, uh, I, it was over 100, you know, soldiers and civilians were attending, wow. you know, every Sunday. And I had like a, every single day we had certain events, like we had movie night, we had Bible study, we had, I mean, different discussion group or things like that. Every night we had, we opened the chapel for some kind of event and every day there were people. And when I got back from my deployment, uh, the, the, the soldier who was going All right, well, we had a minor mishap, and I failed to do a proper PMCS on my podcast recorder, and uh, we ran out of batteries there. Um, but, uh, Eugene, you were, you were getting ready to... To, to tell me a little bit about, um, we were talking about how uh, Chaplain Getz's prayers were answered, and mm-hmm. you were talking about the chapel, and uh, continue with that. Right. So, when I was in Afghanistan already, because of all the ministries happening, you know, in the chapel and everything, soldiers were drawn to the chapel. And as we are talking, I had some soldiers who were interested in going to ministry. Oh wow! Yeah, and after we deployed, after we uh, we deployed, already, I mean, I have one person uh, who actually helped me out as a special duty chaplain assistant. Uh, it's a she. She went into a Bible college and trying to um, become a missionary or um, I mean so she's already like to serve in the gospel ministry and another person who was a uh, S4 uh, NCOIC or SPO uh, NCOIC he's already ordained you know pastor wow I I saw him on the Facebook conducting a a wedding in Hawaii things like that and Another person who was close to me was the um, uh, kind of like what do you call that um, QRF or I, mean, uh, I forgot his exact role, but he, he became a very committed Christian. But I didn't think he was actually now in the ministry. But he was not talking about just my battalion, but. The brigade wise, right. brigade wise, right. he was praying for ten people being called to the gospel ministry. It's happening, it's happening, and the third prayer was we end the war early and then go back home early. Even that, uh, after his death, somehow um, our be- mission became so successful. I mean, we are defeating actually the Taliban, you know. We are driving them out of the Aganda Valley. So our brigade was recognized by the president, and we got special favor. Okay, you guys are doing such a great job. We deploy one month early. Wow. So we actually came back one month earlier. So his prayers are being answered and has been answered. And when I thought about his death and everything, I mean, my question was, 
where is God in all this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. How come? How can God let one of his servants, chaplain, die? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, very difficult question, right? Very difficult question. Where is, where is God in all this? But uh, when I heard about the funeral that was held in Fort Carson, um, there, Chaplain Gatt's wife, Christy, prayed for the trigger man, forgave the man, and prayed for the country, Afghanistan, and prayed for the trigger man. Wow. So, even it was more powerful than his death. Um, it is, I mean, it is still hard to actually process all, all, all of this, but yeah. uh, surely, I mean, we'll get to see the meaning and purpose behind all this, but I learned to just lay down everything and let God let God take care of it. Yeah. Uh, we can we can ask many questions but maybe instead of asking questions, turn the questions into trusting um, mm. God that He He knows the best. Yeah. yeah. Well I, I appreciate you sharing that uh, that story i think it's it was it was such an impactful moment for you know just for our core as a mm -hmm. whole but then to be able to hear some of the personal impact that mm -hmm. it had it may it, it, it when when you told me that uh, you knew chaplain gets it it brought that home to me in a way that just reading a, a story in, you know, in an online article never could. Yeah. I mean, one thing I need to share with you, I mean, is that um, when I went to his unit and when I slept in the same chapel tent mm -hmm. that he slept in, um, it's a very humble chapel, a very, very humble chapel. Uh, it's just a tent. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of dust and everything. And it's not a fancy one, I mean. And in the back of the chapel tent, there was a section where he and his assistant were sleeping. And his assistant was not able to function well um, because of the shock, because of trauma. Uh, and I heard from him what kind of person Chaplin Getz was um, mm. in more in more detail and uh, it was quite shocking um, to hear from uh, his chaplain assistant prior to the deployment they were already talking about this deployment and Chaplin Getz was already talking about him not being able to come back Mm. Um, he already kind of knew that that was his last deployment 
and uh, even the day that he was um, he went on convoy to to that battlefield circula- circulation somehow chaplain assistant didn't uh, get to join him didn't get to go with him and so um, I mean when you go out in a convoy there's like tens and you know 20 uh, different vehicles lined up and you get the manifest who's going to what vehicle and things like that so I heard from him I mean Chaplin Getch was put on a manifest in the first vehicle uh, and Chaplin assistant uh, at the time told him Chaplin, you don't, you don't belong there in the first be- vehicle. You belong somewhere like with the medic in the back, somewhere. And it was with uh, three other step surgeons. And but uh, Chaplin gets told him the decision came from higher. Hmm. Um, so when. Uh, the assistant told him, Chaplin, have a good trip. I'll see you. I'll see you again. But Chaplin gets said, no, goodbye. So it's quite, quite a like, um, hard feeling. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to yeah. hear that, to hear that uh, from the assistant, and while he was doing his ministry, Chaplin Gatch knew, I think he heard, you know, God's voice. Chaplin Gatch was sharing his assistant, today I'll be providing this counseling to this soldier. He'll be coming. And exactly, he came, and this is what I'm going to tell him, and things like that. So I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty much sure. I mean, while in the uh, first vehicle going to the next destination, I'm pretty sure he was sharing, providing pastoral care, mm. and and doing his you know calling um, what he was called to do with the soldiers there yeah. until the last minute. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a powerful story, yeah. Eugene, and and I appreciate you uh, looking back at that and and sharing it. Mm-hmm. Well, as we kind of wrap things up here, um, you know, w- one of the things I've appreciated about doing CPE and in our class being the mix that it is is we've got three captains and three majors, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, getting to go to work every day with with three other uh, field grade chaplains who have more experience than I do, and to get to learn from uh, from you and the other majors. So, from what you have experienced in your years of service as a chaplain, if if you had a brand new chaplain sitting across the table from you. What advice would you give them as they were starting out in this ministry? 
I think it's about being faithful to your calling. Um, do you have that personal relationship with the God that you serve? Yeah. Um, so I think going back to what Chaplain Gedge wrote to us about, you know, through the email. I think first question we are not just doing here. We are not just here trying to do officer's job. You know, we are we are called by God to do his job. Yeah. So um having that calling and keep reminding yourself of the calling and trying to be faithful to the calling yeah you know i think i think that's that's what you know uh, that's where our our identity lies in you know, unlike other line officers i mean uh, so think about the calling yeah. yeah well eugene i appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me uh this evening here in san antonio i thought get away get away from uh get away from Walter Reed for a little bit, mm-hmm. relax. It'd be a good time to, to try and record a podcast. So thank you uh, for taking the time to record this episode with me and for, for sharing your story. You're welcome. And it was a great, a ple- great pleasure to talk to you and share my story with you. Well, thank you for listening to Chaplin Stories. I know I had a wonderful time getting to interview Chaplain Eugene Kim, and uh, I hope it was uh, a meaningful story for you as well. It would mean a lot to me if you would take a few moments and share this podcast with your friends and family. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, and just take that link, copy it, share it on social media, send it in a text message to your friends and family, and help me continue to spread the word about the great work that our chaplains are doing in the military. I hope you'll join me again next time as we hear another chaplain story. Thunder and flame, wherever the call.